0: You're listening to the Carry On podcast, a cheeky little podcast, Um, nothing definitive other than musings of love, laughter, a little bit of faith, a little bit of how we do life better than we are currently. Um, And so forgive me for my opinions on my own. They belong to nobody else's and um, I'm still navigating this lovely journey we call life. Today, I want to talk to you about ownership. And I'm not just talking from addiction, but just free from their own perceptions, free from their own limitations, is that I, I really did used to believe that self-awareness was one, of the, was one of the most useful tools in someone or one of the most useful virtues in someone in order for them to grow, to develop, to be able to build them as a part of myself. I really did believe that that was the most important tool that anyone could bring to the table. If someone didn't have any self-awareness, then we were all just done for. What was the point of us being here for you if you're not even aware of your own actions? But I'm actually now changing my mind about that. And I'm actually becoming more aware of the fact that um, you can have as much self-awareness as I don't know of anyone that I can reference that all of us would know that has huge amounts of self-awareness. But you can have self-awareness and still not take ownership. And I'm now aware that taking ownership is probably the greatest method for breakthrough, for freedom, for change, for transformation. And um, for me, it's one of the greatest steps of maturity. Um, If I'm counselling a couple that are on the brink of divorce... I always find an element of hope when both of them start taking ownership of what they're, what they're actually bringing to the table in their marriage. You might, for example, have um, a husband that's had an affair many moons ago, and the wife has understandably become very hurt, very upset, broken an awful lot of trust. Um, and I might come into the picture probably about 10 years, 15 years later and still she's holding bitterness and still she's carrying a lot of pain and shame, which has changed his personality for a long time, constantly walking on eggshells and feeling like he needs to record his every move. The thing that I find so interesting is the moment of breakthrough is not her forgiveness for him, but actually her willingness to take ownership of her reactions towards him. And so I think one of the things I wanna talk about today and I'm terribly sorry for the fact that this has been so drawn out in between the last podcast and this one, but I am currently sitting in an empty apartment on a leather Chesterfield sofa, looking at blank walls because I have been in the middle of a very intense renovation project and moving flat all at the same time and finishing school. So I've been stewing on this thought for quite a while. Um, And I do really want to bring this to the table because I'm actually aware that if I honestly believe that if if we all took ownership of not just the things that we've done wrong or the things that we do right, but actually our response towards other people's choices, the world would be a very different place. I think the Me Too movement would be a very different structure. I think um, how we are arranging legislation, how certain bills are being passed, if we actually looked at ownership and didn't ban things to not take take place, but actually rather looked at what we allowed to influence us and still recognize that we are powerful people to make a decision on what we say yes and no to. That I do honestly think legislation, bills, um, politics, how we do life would be so different. I think dating, I think love, I think falling in love I think unconditional love would have a very different ballgame. And um, so I think this is going to cover a few areas. I do think a lot of this is going to cover relationships um, today. I've been trying to avoid relationships because that's all I used to write about. And I was bored of my own voice, to be honest, on that subject. But I do feel like this is one area that I'm very intrigued to go back and reflect on. It might even scupper how I wrote my first two books, Um, but I'm all right with that because we're ever evolving, we're ever changing. For example, when people are dating, when people are looking at someone and they all of a sudden become interested in them, um, our expectations, our perspectives, our lenses change because all of a sudden we've started to acquire these feelings for someone. We want a sweet gesture to now mean something. We want them opening a door to us, taking us out for coffee, um, being sweet on communication or being affectionate. All of a sudden that becomes more, it becomes more meaningful. If we aren't interested, then of course we, we don't look at those things, we don't look into them. One of the <laughs> one of the cultures that I find an awful lot, especially in Christian culture, is that uh because we have such a a strong um expectation a strong weight on marriage and family and building that that actually can come far too soon, and we start to put that on in the in the very basics of interaction with somebody else and I was actually having a conversation this morning with a very dear friend of mine who is is like sort of a wise counsel to me. And um he's lived a great life. He's in a beautiful marriage. And he said to me this morning, and it just has really been stirring in my heart in the last few weeks, about no matter what interaction we have with somebody else, we still have a choice of how to take ownership. And we could read a thousand things into every interaction we have, and yet we still choose how to take ownership and not to place the weight or expectation on the other person. So this is what I mean. This is, this is what he recited to me this morning. He said, in every interaction, there is a message to be given or received, and we never know which direction it's going to go. He's quoting it from the Celestine Prophecy, which, gosh, I wrote. I, wrote? I, didn't re- I didn't write that. If I had, I'd be in a mansion right now. Um, I did not write the book. Um, I read it when I was 19, somewhere in Rome. I seem to remember all my travels. And over the decades that I've been in life in general, Um, especially as an adult, how I reacted to my father's death, how I reacted to men that I was hoping to fix, some of that stuff, how I reacted to bosses, to leaders, to um, people that I worked for. I look back an awful lot now, especially in the last three years of building people um, over in California. I'm more and more aware that the people that take the greatest growth – are the ones that take the most ownership. And I mean that from counseling anyone who's been molested as a child. You could have someone that went through a more horrific story when they were younger. Um, Maybe they were raped or molested by someone in their family. Uh, And it will have a knock-on effect of how they react to men or women in their adulthood. But you could have the same story from somebody else and made a very full and conscious decision that they were no longer going to react to how they'd been treated by somebody else's brokenness in this day, in this moment, in this era. And probably one of the greatest places I took my breakthrough, my freedom, was a few years ago, I'd sat down with a counsellor and I said, so this has kind of been my journey with guys. I seem to find the gold in everyone and I want to build them up and, you know, either three or six months, I'm like, "Uh oh, here we go. Or um, they just haven't been a great choice. And I sit and suffer with how they're treating me. And I think I mentioned this before, but I actually recognized that all of a sudden I was the one that suggested some of that behavior. I was the one that participated in giving my heart over to someone before it was clearly safe to do so. Um, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and he was talking about how someone had um, said to him recently, hey, by the way, this whole, these dates are not high stakes, And I thought, oh, how refreshing to hear that actually there are girls in this environment that are actually choosing to not make a dating venture high stakes. Nothing should be high stakes. Nothing should be high stakes in the sense of um, the very early days of dating. Um, It should really just be a case of exploration. If anyone is putting me on a pedestal (laughs) far earlier than I wanted them to... um, I'll come off that very quickly and unfortunately there probably won't be much ownership on the other side of how they responded to it Um, and vice versa. I think there's a journey to be had and I would love to stop hearing conversations and dialogue that says, well, I felt like he led me down the line and he was doing this and he was doing that and he was sharing me how he was obviously interested in me, but actually he was cavorting with some other girl. Well, here's the deal. You put your heart out on their align. line. You, you are the one that chose to make yourself available to this person. And you can never guarantee how someone's going to interact with you. You can never guarantee how they're going to respond. And already we've created expectations. Already we've created how someone should respond to us. Now, what I would say is when you start to get into a relationship, when you actually start to commit to each other, well, that's kind of a different deal. You start to recognize there are certain things that need to make it exclusive. There are certain things um, that are crossing boundaries or or going beyond. But it still doesn't excuse how you respond to them, even if there might be a moment of pain or hurt. And for the record, every time... I would say this, just on the flip side, sometimes people take too much ownership of the other person's feelings. Um, this is pretty obvious, I would say. But one of the things I recognize is um, as having a conversation the other day with someone and, and they were scared about getting into a relationship with the other person because they were worried about they were going to hurt her and they were worried that they were going to mess it up. Well, that says two things to me. One is you don't trust yourself. And two is you don't understand what the meaning of love is. Love actually costs you something. Love, love, love is actually painful. And um, you're going to hurt each other. Because the whole premise of love is very vulnerable and very fragile. And at some point, there will be conversations that goes, hey, you actually mean something in my in my world and you get to change me. That's vulnerability. You get to change who I am and not on a codependent basis where I fall apart if you're having a bad day, but I do actually get to be changed by you because of our intimacy with each other. One of the journeys that I had, you know, 10 years ago was that I, I chose to be in a relationship with someone that How do I put this? I tasted to be in relationship with someone that we just had very different core values. And I spent a long time expecting that person to have the same core values as me. And instead of taking ownership of the fact that, oh, we just own very different core values and respecting the fact that they had very different core values, I did everything in my power to change and manipulate the other person to have the same values as me, whether it was threatening to, relate, to sort of end the relationship or whether it was being as cute as, as cute as anything and charming my way into an existence of persuading them to want to love me. And so therefore they'll just give up all of their core values for the sake of me. Whatever that looks like, it's not real love and it's not unconditional. It also doesn't take any ownership of my own journey it's just hoping that everyone else is safe around me so I can feel safe myself. And I was having this conversation with a friend a few weeks ago about the beauty of unconditional love because that means that I actually choose to love someone no matter what they do, no matter what they give anything back to me, no matter how they function or work. One of the things that I've noticed in... If I'm counseling someone who's gone through a divorce or is going through a divorce, I often look to see whether they're taking ownership of their own contribution. And if I recognize that they're often talking about the failings of the other person, (laughs) I'm very aware they haven't even given any chance to look at themselves. I'm not suggesting that um, it's necessarily balanced, but I would suggest that the most powerful And this is where I really care about, and I've said this before, but if we break up well in community, then we will be way less fearful in reaching out to another person and actually taking ownership to other people. So part of the journey in dating, for example, is I know I can take ownership of communication. If I need to have a conversation, I'm going to have it. If I need to um, put some label on something too early, that says to me that I'm actually not trusting myself. And it also says that I need someone to be there in some kind of sense of stability for me. Well, I actually don't need anyone to be in my life to make me stable. I have an amazing community around me. I have a huge amount of people that would tell me if I'm being an idiot. And I also care about my value enough that I'm not gonna give my heart away that quickly. But when I wasn't taking ownership, I gave everything away very quickly because I didn't trust myself and I didn't take ownership, but I knew that other people took ownership of themselves. So it's much easier for me to hand my heart over to someone than actually to keep it close to me. (laughs) I think sometimes we look back at our relationships, we look back at our past, we um, constantly look for the right fit with the right people. And then we will take ownership. Once we find the right the right puzzles and the right pieces to fit into shape, then we'll take ownership. I actually think that the greatest challenge is taking ownership when someone's being different to how you would function. I think taking ownership towards someone that doesn't doesn't do life the way that you do is actually one of the most powerful things that I can see of you loving yourself well. A lot of you guys have actually messaged in saying, can you just talk to me a little bit about how you love yourself well? You've mentioned it a few times and I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. I'm not making it very practical. So I will probably on the next podcast, talk about how do we love ourselves well and how do we find our own worth without becoming arrogant or a narcissist. By the way, narcissists are very insecure people. <laughs> it's nothing to do with arrogancy. But um, one of the thing about, one of the thing, wow, one of the things <laughs> I can just feel, I actually want to keep this in. I know sometimes we edit this, sometimes sometimes we don't. Mark, I want you to keep this in just because I love um, laughing at the moment. So I get this wrong. Mark's my brilliant um publicist and editor for the podcast. So there we go. Hi, Mark. How are you, darling? Are you well? Okay, good. Um, So where was I? Okay, so my point is, <coughs> I'm going to check in with the person that I'm about to talk about to make sure this is okay to do public. But one of my... One of my students in one of the years that I've done life with here um, had an option to graduate but by the skin of her teeth or she was going to repeat a year. Some of the choices she made and had happened over the school year and they'd repeated a few times, which said to me, someone's not taking ownership of something and someone's not quite getting it the way that I was hoping they would get it. And it was getting a little bit too close to the end of school for me to feel confident enough to graduate her. But at the same time, um, I also wanted her to... I wanted to see, quite honestly, if she was going to be willing to take ownership of her journey. And at the beginning of the year, I think she would have easily taken on, yeah, I want to graduate, regardless of how she'd worked to graduate. Um And she actually chose not to graduate. And here's what she said. She said, I honestly believe and I know that you have enough grace for me to give me a graduate certificate this year around. But if I'm really honest with myself, I didn't fully take ownership in this year. And I think I was using a lot of ways and means to get through, get by, survive. But I'm not sure I really grasped what this particular year was in school. And what's stunning is I said to her, So do you feel like you would you want to walk across the stage and take your graduation certificate or do you actually want to repeat the year? It's a lot more work for you. It's actually the harder path. It's not an easy path. It's a it's a much harder path. And the other people that have done the same things as you are going to probably get through by the skin of the teeth, walk across the stage, celebrate themselves and go on into third year. But there's something about you that has got too much weight and too much authority in your life. And I basically started speaking to the vision of what I had for who she was going to be and how powerful she was going to be, how she was going to bring breakthrough, how she was going to bring freedom for other women in all the things that she's gone through. And she looked at me and, and with a tear in her eye and tears potentially going down her face, I seem to remember, she turned to me and she said, I'm happy to repeat year. And on the day of graduation, I could feel the pain of not graduating. I could feel how torturous this was that she just didn't get by, by the skin of her teeth. But I took her aside and I said, I need you to understand one thing. Is that even though every, most of the people in our group have graduated... You are the one that I'm the most proud of. And she couldn't quite understand it, but she stayed listening. And I said, the reason is because you were the one that took ownership of what you chose to do. And now you're taking a different path. And I swear to you, this might feel like a backstep for you compared to everyone else. But I bet you anything, it's the building block that pushes you to a place that makes you higher and mighty than anyone else. Does that make sense? And she went, yeah, I get it. It's hard, but I get it. And one by one, she saw some people go across that stage that she was aware of their journey and hadn't necessarily taken as much ownership as she had and felt almost punished for, for <laughs> taking the ownership that she did. But I did remind her that actually heaven's eyes are watching more than anyone else. And I said, heaven is celebrating today because you took ownership in a way that no one else in the same situation has. And it's those people that I get the most excited about. It's those ones that they might have been cheated on and go, you know what? Even though my husband had an affair, I knew that night that I had to be as fragile and as vulnerable as possible. I made love to him, even though I knew that his, his mind had been somewhere else. I was taking ownership of the fact that our lives have changed an awful lot, and these are the reasons why potentially it happened. I'm not, I'm not giving excuses. But I am so in awe of women and men that make a decision to take ownership, that whether they're taking ownership of taking a risk, and it might backfire, or they're taking ownership of how they responded to someone that hurt them 10, 15 years ago. And if I'd been told this information 10, 15 years ago myself... I think my life would have panned out slightly differently. Um, I think we always get to the same spot in the end. Sometimes it takes longer than others. But I do really believe that ownership is one of the most palpable, most powerful things that we can do um, in life. I want to take ownership of being a really good daughter to my mother. I want to take ownership of being a really good friend to my male friends. I want to take ownership of being a really good girlfriend to the boyfriend that's in my life. I want to take really good ownership of, um, of finances, of, um, I think there are too many times where we're waiting for the Lord to show open a door and throw it open in front of us. So we don't take any activity on it. We never participate because we're waiting for the Lord to show up. I hear too many times where people go, I don't really have any peace. And the Lord told me not to date you. Oh, Really? Because I actually feel like he gave you more ownership than that. I think there's a part of the whole the whole beauty of life is taking ownership and co-laboring with the Lord. And I think co-laboring doesn't look like we sit and twiddle our thumbs until the Lord shows up with some kind of divine appointment. I think sometimes, and Bob Goff said this recently, I was reading his book on Love Does, and I just, oh gosh, I love him so much. But he did say this, he said, I used to think being a believer was enough but now I know Jesus wants us to participate no matter what um, area or situation we're in and I think that's one of the things that I and one of the things I kind of want to leave with is <clears throat> I came into the church a pretty broken girl from a pretty reckless 20s that <laughs> I was really hoping someone else would fix this, fix this for me. Or I'd have some divine oracle that would be this all-encompassing wise person and give me all these wisdom downloads that would just change and shape my life. I think I was hoping that if I was married, then that would fix a few things for me. If I had children, that would fix a few things for me. If I um, just fell on my feet one more time, then everything would fit into place. But I recognize my happiest years, honestly, have been the last few years. Where I haven't been as dependent on people. Um, I've been incredibly dependent on the Lord. But that's been a part of the ownership, is being dependent on the Lord. Uh, Being dependent on not just wise counsel from some of the wisest people I know, but actually taking ownership of, I just realized that my relationship um, with this person was pretty dramatic because actually I I wasn't taking ownership of some boundaries. I think the reason why these people had those expectations for me is because I probably set some of that up for them. Um, taking ownership of my words, making sure that I don't cross the line so much I have to back all the time, taking ownership of who I let into my apartment, who I let into my house and my world, taking ownership of who I say yes and no to, um, opening up new avenues to new people, but not necessarily having to clarify it or lock it down as some definition because actually I take ownership of myself. I trust myself and I trust myself in any given scenario because I take ownership of stuff. And I, there are too many times where I see the demise of relationships, the demise of um, any given pass or fail in life because we just didn't go, you know what? I could choose to react this way or I could actually choose to react with a heart that actually looks to get decent results from the scenario. So I guess my point is this, we could be a lot more fearless in life. We could be not having to ban a thousand things occurring in life through legislations and bills if we actually choose to take ownership of our own selves. It feels like the world is trying to make everyone else safe around us, but we're not actually the, the greatest way to make the world safe is for us to all to take responsibility back, to take our power back and to not put it down onto the uh, reactions and behavior of somebody else. I love the fact that the Me Too movement, for example, has actually brought up justice. I'm I love the fact that we are no longer taking advantage of the sexuality or um, objectifying women, hopefully not as much. I'm saying that's a whole different subject. I think it's something that that we could definitely be looking at more of. Um, One of the things that I'm aware of with the Me Too movement is that there's a lot of money being put into suing a lot of people that are sexually harassing or raping women in the industry. My question is, what's happening to the rehabilitation of people that are suing people? My point is, you can easily get justice in Hollywood or in any industry where sexual harassment ...is happening, especially in this current day and age... ...but the real ownership takes place in how we finally heal ourselves. I personally have have been exposed to certain sexual harassment in the industry... ...back in the day I was. But I actually... I didn't need to sue the living daylights out of the other... I'm not suggesting we shouldn't... (laughs) ...but I'm also suggesting that the greatest healing I got... ...was not watching someone be um, reprimanded for their actions... The greatest healing I got was me taking ownership of my responses and going, I have so much compassion for you because somewhere down the line, you were taught that this kind of behavior was okay. Somewhere down the line, you were modeled that it was okay to take advantage of me as a woman in the workplace. Somewhere down the line, you were broken. And as a little boy, you were taught something very different to what I was taught. And I'm so sorry that somehow down this this way that you felt the only way you could control me or be powerful was by sexualizing my sexuality. And there's something in it. <laughs> I think one of the first moments that I recognized taking ownership was far more powerful than actually seeing justice come into a court area it was probably one of my first employees um, that I face some of this stuff with. I'm not going to go into details. I'm certainly not going to give anything away that would make even a third party guess who this is. But what I would say is, um, I did resign very quickly. Um, the reason why I left was not the reason why I left. Um, I covered, sounds awful. I covered the very person that did the action. Um, to the workplace. But I did take them into a room and I sat them down and I said, you understand the reason why I'm leaving, don't you? He said, yes, I do. He begged me to stay on for longer because the particular film that we were working on was about to wrap and he needed my help. I said I'd be there for a week, but I begged him to never do this again to any any other female in the industry. And as far as I'm aware, he never did. But one of the things that I I found very important was the fact that I did speak up in the moment. I didn't have to publicly humiliate him. I'm not suggesting that we don't in the sense of, um, if someone needs to be brought to justice, then someone needs to be brought to justice. I'm not suggesting that the likes of Weinstein and other perpetrators in the industry should ever go, um, without some kind of, um, response to what happened without some kind of challenge to their behavior. I think we should all be accountable no matter how powerful you are. But one of the things I'm concerned about is that our justice button or our healing takes place in a courtroom. I would suggest that actually healing takes place with us sitting down with a counselor, with a therapist and going, so how do I let this person go? How do I no longer start blaming my behavior now? How do I stop suggesting that i have all these walls up because of how i was treated before that's giving far too much power away and it also doesn't take ownership of my current present day anyone in my life has never given me any reason to not trust them today it doesn't mean to say therefore that i should be edgy or sharp but i certainly was like that for a while because i didn't trust men i didn't trust how they were i trusted any agenda or any action to be to have an underlying meaning Some of that was down to the fact I hadn't taken ownership of my own healing. So if we are going to do a Me Too movement, if we are going to start running campaigns that raise millions to take people into a justice court of law, I beg and I plead that we as women still find rehabilitation after going into the courtroom, that we as women actually choose to go and find someone that is a safe environment, that understands with compassion what you've gone through, In order for us to let it go, in order for us to still continue to have good, healthy relationships with men, in order for us to be able to build men the way that us women were supposed to be building men. And I don't believe that I would get to this space now where I could sit potentially in front of someone that has molested someone, that has actually chosen to sexually harass another woman at some point in the game and sit with them compassion and go, okay, why do you do what you do? Because there's one thing bringing the lights of Harvey Weinstein down into a dungeon, but I would actually like to be the person or like to feel that there are people still on the planet that are willing to sit in a chair with him and go, it's not too late for you to be truly authentic, for you to fully apologize, for you to actually find the reasons why you did what you did. There's one thing of you being completely broken down and humiliated in public. I'm not sure that's actually ever going to get us the results we wanted. The results are that someone actually fully recovers from the choices that they made. I truly believe in this day and age, and I know a lot of the world won't believe this, but under what I've seen and what I've seen (laughs) in my own life, never mind other people's, on my couch in my office, is that people can always change and it is never too late for someone to fully change and do a full 180 degree turn. So my, my heart and my becking calls for anyone that has gone through molestation, sexual harassment, or any kind of um, horrific crime like that, that can essentially be a slow death for the rest of our lives. Or it could be the very turning point in which you go, this wasn't okay, I don't condone this, this method at all of what you tried to do to me one thing I will say is I will take ownership of my healing. I will take ownership of my rehabilitation. And I promise to any woman walking in this planet that if you fully take ownership of your healing part of the process, that you will be far more powerful and far more dynamic in order to not just help other women come out of these situations, but also speak to the very culprits that did what they did to you and actually encourage them to be different men. There's something about compassion when someone is at their most sinful, that is the most dynamic, penetrable method to bringing full healing. And I've seen guys go from probably the most gruesome things that you would never wish on your worst enemy to becoming men that would never even dream of doing that in, the, in a million years. That somewhere in their own brokenness, they learned to numb themselves to pain and therefore they didn't have to think about anyone else's pain. My heart is that if we're going into this generation of finding justice, which I'm all for, and I need to reiterate that very clearly, I'm all for justice. But I also think that the finest results... The fruit is not in the finding the justice. The fruit is in someone finding full redemption, full restoration and full transformation of their soul, their character. Now, pride and not taking ownership are the two things that will never, ever get you to freedom and breakthrough. It's those two things, and especially ownership in this particular subject today, that will change the course of history. So... I guess on that chirpy note, um, <laughs> my point is, I love that women are finding a voice. I love that men are finding a voice too in, in, in amongst this journey. But I also want to make sure that we're not constantly on this raid of blaming each other. I want to make sure that we actually take a little moment with ourselves. And I'll leave with this gorgeous testimony that happened the other day. I was speaking to someone and i hadn't um I hadn't actually um seen her for about two years she'd uh run up to me and she said, "Oh, you prayed um for me about two years ago. you had given out a word of knowledge and and to the crowd and there were about a thousand one thousand i think two hundred people that night and I had this word about someone's got migraines um and there might be a few people here that have migraines. So just to narrow it down, it's a kind of migraine that you're hospitalized. You have to go to hospital if it's that bad. This is debilitating, almost hard to work. So anyway, uh, a few people had come up that night for prayer. And so I prayed for everyone. And one of the final women in the line, she actually said to me, actually, I'm standing for my sister. Uh, this has been uh, she's had this for 10 years and uh, it's been so um, debilitating. She is hospitalized and she, she uh, I think this is right. Forgive me if I'm getting this wrong. So I prayed and uh, she recorded the prayer. I prayed for her and I said, I really feel like uh, there's actually, this has actually stemmed from a traumatic event. And um, the, tra- the trauma wasn't any of her fault. She actually didn't do anything um, wrong. But she's blamed herself for the trauma. She's somehow found uh, a lot of shame and a lot of, a lot of self-blame. And so I feel like, and this is what I said, I said I feel like the Lord is actually telling her to stand in front of herself in the mirror for 30 minutes and looking at herself in a mirror and apologize to herself, that she actually has to get comfortable with looking at herself for 30 minutes. I said the prayer, we finished recording that prayer, and off she went. Now, when we have these moments, we often never hear, whether those prayers were effective or not but beautifully two weeks ago this wonderful woman came up and she was oh she was just so such a gorgeous lady if you're listening to this thank you for coming and sharing the story and she played back the testimony um that she played back the prayer that i'd said and she said for the record my sister took ownership of trying to break through on this moment she said my sister actually did go through a traumatic moment um with somebody else and she blamed herself and uh, she spent day after day trying to build up to 30 minutes of looking in the mirror because within five minutes she would just cry and break down but she was diligent and adamant that she was going to get to 30 minutes of looking herself in the mirror and she said when she got to 30 minutes of being able to stare at herself in the mirror and apologize for taking false responsibility on something but actually took ownership of wanting to find breakthrough she found complete breakthrough and she has never had a migraine since. And certainly not to that level of debilitating, um, hospitalization. So, Oh, there was a moment for me that I'm like, that's it. That's the stuff right there. It's never, it's never condoning any actions someone's ever done to us. But my God, when you take ownership of how we respond, how we react, And that my power is not dependent on someone apologizing for what they did. My power is dependent on my choices of how I choose to love someone, regardless of whether they deserved it or not. There is nothing more freeing than loving people, no matter what they give back to you. There is nothing more freeing than taking ownership of how I choose to be with someone outside of how they respond, how they react, or my expectations of them. When I got rid of expectations of somebody else, when I when I actually just get love back because they choose to, not because I'm manipulating them to or asking them to or have made a lot of clear guidelines of how it is to love me. There are times where people come forward and they go, I just want to share something with you because I want to get my voice heard. Well, that's okay, but normally that's never beneficial for both of us. Normally it's you looking for something from me to make you feel better. (laughs) And actually for me, I'm like... Most of the time, if someone's heard me, I don't need to go and talk to them about it. Sometimes I do. If they're a close friend and we're doing life forever, yeah, I'll probably have a little chat. But just like they will with me. But the ownership part is that I'm not going to hold it against them. The ownership part is like, oh, is there any way we could do this differently next time? I can't can't tell you enough just how much freedom it's brought me. And just how gorgeous it is to love people without expecting them to be something different that they're not. It's so beautiful to love people wherever they're at. It's so gorgeous to love a man without expecting them to love you back. Because I take ownership of my heart, so I'm not handing over my heart to him before he's asked for it. I'm no longer giving my heart to someone without even communicating with them. I'm no longer dating someone with the expectation they're going to start being a certain way after a certain time. And if I do fumble back into um, a moment of being triggered in my old ways, well, I take ownership of apologizing pretty quickly. And hopefully on the other end, they'll be very graceful and take ownership of their forgiveness too. It's a constant interaction. And like my friend was saying, we never know which direction he's going to go. So if we never know which direction is going to go, it means that every interaction you ever have with anyone requires us to take ownership of how we're going to choose to be with that person. For example, if I'm in the film industry and I'm working in the film industry, I'm probably not going to spend a huge amount of time on my own with another guy in a car at dinner unless I've built enough trust and enough understanding of them to know that I'm safe around them. I'm taking ownership of how I'm going to be with them if there are times where I can feel someone trying to charm their way in in order to get something from me, well, I'm taking ownership of not giving them what they want. <laughs> I'm taking ownership of handing it something over when I, when I feel like it's right to do so, when I feel this is the right moment to say yes and no. I'm not going to start blaming the Lord for choices that I should be making myself. And I can feel the Lord in certain moments. I can feel his spirit and his heart towards certain things that I will choose to take ownership and align and say yes to. But there is no point in the beauty of free will if the Lord didn't give us the gift of taking ownership. He gave us the space to do relationships to say yes and no to him. And part of that yes is taking ownership. And part of that yes towards falling in love with someone Maybe even the term falling in love is provocative in itself. I didn't fall, I chose to. But the reaction is, is that I I actually felt things. I'm respecting this person. I'm in awe of how they live their life and how they do life, how they see and treat other people. Then now I'm choosing to do life and watch them with other people, how they serve the world, what they want to create in this world, what they want to do with men and women to build a greater kingdom, a greater sense of heaven on earth, that um, in that moment, I'll either stand by side with them and choose to support them no matter what they give back to me, because I respect them that much, that I will choose to take ownership of myself and never put an agenda on somebody else. And I expect the same to be vice versa. And if they don't do that, when I'm taking ownership of my boundaries with them too, I hope I'm not waffling on this one, but I honestly do believe that this is a very important topic to be had, especially in this generation, especially when we're looking at banning and putting so many legislations on people that no longer allow to have a space to choose. We're now starting to segregate, to split off, to stop people from preaching certain things to teaching certain things. We're no longer allowing prayer to be in school as if that's going to influence people or, or, And I'm like, wow, it's amazing how we're so big about freedom of speech, but we are also not taking ownership of what we choose to pick up and put down. So in that alone, can we just, and I'm speaking to believers and non-believers, can we just find a space that we actually bring back a trend of taking ownership, of taking it on the chin and choosing to be powerful people in our own right, regardless of what someone said what someone did or how someone acted out. That's my preach. That's it. That's it. We're done. Thank you for listening to the Carry On podcast. If you have any comments or feedback, then you can leave your comments and reviews on the iTunes page or on Podbean. um, And we do read them. We do look at them. If you have any uh, questions or you wish to suggest any particular topics, then there are ways and means of contacting us. You can go on to carrylloyd.net. Um, And you can uh, contact us there for any future podcasts that you'd like us to talk about. I've loved your comments and thank you so much for um, encouraging us to continue on this cheeky little thing that me and the team are doing in this moment. So thank you.